Jumping in to a Wednesday edition. Welcome in, everybody. I appreciate you being here. Mike Steele along with Parker Thune. First hour, as always, brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you, Tim Lasher. Great sooner, great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. What happened last night? The Sooner basketball team got it done, and they were very impressive. 79-65, to they take down Kansas State. And, yes, you could talk about Kansas State has been struggling, but the Sooners last night, that was an impressive effort by Porter and company. And, Parker, this, uh, this team, again, you're looking at both Tech and Oklahoma at 3-10, and 10, bottom of the basement of the Big 12, and they will play. Uh, next week it'll be next Tuesday night here in Norman Oklahoma and the Red Raiders but I gotta tell you I wasn't expecting that last night I can't figure out this team Steely every time we leave them for dead boom all of a sudden they just run a team that's way more talented than them out of the building which is what they did to Kansas State last night that game might not have been as close as the 14 point final margin would indicate the Sooners, especially in the second half, played dominant basketball. And it's <laughs> it was so night and day different from everything that we'd seen over the previous four games, which in turn was night and day different from the day that Alabama came to the Lloyd Noble Center and Oklahoma spanked them 93-69. to I, I don't know what to make of this team. Crazy. I don't know what they, totally who crazy. they are, what they are. They're 13-13. and 13. I still think it's virtually impossible for them to get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're not going to get there. They're not going to get there. But you're right, though. The thing is, it's like uh, OU basketball is in the ICU unit, and the doctor's saying it's going to be any day now, and then they just keep hanging on somehow, some way. Uh, Again, good job by OU. I will say this. Give them credit for, again, they haven't thrown in the towel. They're still playing hard. They're still not very talented overall when you look at the rest of the league, but they got it done last night. Let's hear from Porter Moser, obviously with a smile on his face afterwards, talking about his team being very resilient last night. We talked about, you know, handling runs, handling and bouncing back. Let's just take this game. We jumped out really well again, um, like we did the other night against Kansas. And then Kansas State came right back, punches right back in the mouth and took the lead. and that's what Kansas did, and we were down 13 at half. We fought back and then tied it. That was a good thing. And I thought the guys came out in the second half. Um, I thought our second half defense was very good. Um, they're, I mean, they're so hard to guard. Uh, Noel and then Johnson, um, they got their length. Um, so I, I just, they're, they're really tricky to guard. There's a reason why they're so good. Um, but I was, I, was, I was proud of our guys and how we, we fought back after we got punched in the face. We've seen us get that snowballed before, um, in, in some recent games, and we didn't tonight. Yeah, and you look at Grant Sherfield again last night. Porter said he played his best overall floor game, 22 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 of 7 from 3. Tanner Groves had a heck of a game, 16 points, 6 boards, 5 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 3 beyond the arc, and he had 13 for uh, – Milo Zuzan, and you had 12-7 and seven for Jalen Hill. The Sooners shot 48% from three. Played a heck of a game. And, again, Kansas State is not uh, as good uh, as they were earlier in the year. And some of the shine has gone off Jerome Tang's uh, initial season. 
The only matchup, really, that Kansas State won last night, I thought, was the uniform matchup. I'm a fan of the light lavender uniforms. I go back. I'm old enough to remember K-State back with Lon Kruger and Rolando Blackman and those guys when they wore the light lavender tops and the purple shorts, which I still love those. But uh, good job by the Sooners, and they turn around. They get to play Texas in Austin, 1 o'clock ESPN Plus telecast on Saturday. And it's a battle right now with Kansas winning in Stillwater last night. Really good performance by KU to take down uh, an Oklahoma State team that was red hot, 87-76. KU 9-4, Baylor 9-4, Texas 9-4. And, and by the way, you have KU and Baylor playing at Allen Fieldhouse at 3 o'clock uh, coming up on Saturday. So there you go. Last night, Steely is further proof that things are never as good as you think they are, but also never as bad as you think facts. they are. Facts. Absolute because facts. Because <laughs> if things were as bad as we all thought they were, this team would have lost by 25 again. But they turn around, play very impressive basketball on both ends of the court, get real solid contributions from guys like Bijan Cortez. Yeah, Bijan Cortez had some moments out there last night, too. You're right. Los Uzan goes for double figures. Tanner Groves had himself a nice performance. And all of a sudden, the the wheels are back on the tracks for Oklahoma at the very least. Again, I, I and I was listening to Toby and TJ this morning as I was driving home from the gym, and Toby said, well, I guess we have to have the inevitable conversation as to whether they're back in the tournament hunt as of this as of last night and with this victory and both Toby and TJ kind of agreed that it's still a long steep hill for Oklahoma to climb yeah. to even put themselves in contention, especially when you consider the fact that they would probably have to win two of three on the road down the stretch of the regular season at Texas, at Kansas state and at Iowa state at Hilton Coliseum. Again, probably not happening, but Hey, if they keep playing the way they played last night, I think what we've seen and what's most bizarre about this Oklahoma team is that when they play like they played last night, when the shots are falling and they can control the flow of the game, they can play with anybody. We've seen it. They had Kansas on the ropes in the fog. They took Baylor down to the wire. They obviously throttled the number one team in the country in Alabama. It's just this team is so inconsistent offensively. And it almost feels to me as if at the first sign of adversity, this team's response offensively and Porter Moser's response is just to lock those guys into the intricacies of the system again and have them laser focused on executing the game plan. And to me, Oklahoma has played their best basketball when they're just going. Yeah, and that's what Porter talked about last night in that soundbite, by the way, which was our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a new Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. You know, a lot of times when they have been punched, they didn't punch back or... You know, they, it's a standing eight count, and they try and come back, and they can't quite do it. They did show some resiliency last night when K-State at least punched back initially. But the second half, uh, the Sooners control pretty much all of it. And, uh, again, they go to Austin coming up Saturday. One o'clock tip on ESPN+. Plus. Already, go ahead. And, hey, 4-0 and in the Anthracites. So, where the hell out of those things? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know, you think about it. And I still think the OU victory over Alabama is going to go down as one of the most bizarre uh, 
games in OU basketball history. Great for Sooner fans. The atmosphere was unbelievable. By the way, Bama will play at Tennessee tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN2, and they're back again this week as the number one team in the country. But it is going to be really interesting uh, to see uh, – you know where this Bama team finishes. Can they? You know, can they get to the Final Four? I, I don't see a dominant team out there. I do not see. There's certainly not a, you know, '90s UNLV that that team that was unbelievable. Of course, all yeah. the UCLA teams under John Wooden. It was just pretty much the UCLA Invitational back then. But um, that game was just flat out crazy. And there's two sides to every coin. Any way that you try and look at and evaluate this Oklahoma basketball team, because. You mentioned the Big 12 and how deep it is, and folks much more credentialed and older than I uh, have said that this is the best Big 12 from a basketball perspective that they've ever seen. But I would ask you, Steely, who's the best team in the Big 12? The best team in the Big 12 is... And that right there is my point. And that's the point. Who is there? I would have said Texas until they lost to Tech. Kansas is doing Kansas things. You know, they were ripe to be uh, beaten by Oklahoma State last night, and I thought they executed really well in the offensive end and won that game. So so my question Baylor, is – What did Baylor start at? 0-3 in the league, right? Yeah. And now they've got a chance to win. I think that – golly, I can't say Texas, can I? They, they've got Kansas coming up, you know. But my point is, who in this conference has Oklahoma not proven that they can hang with? And so, yeah, the Big 12 is deep. But I think when we brought Caden McFarland on a couple weeks ago, he said it well. Look, there's so much parity right now in the Big 12 that it's almost like somebody has to bring up the rear. Yeah, There just aren't enough wins to go around. And I think Oklahoma has been the one program that's been inconsistent enough that they've gotten exploited repeatedly to the point where they're sitting here at what three and ten in league play. Yeah, I mean you're in. Uh, it's like the old heavyweight division with Ali and Frazier and George Foreman and Ken Norton, and there was going to be somebody good, you know, all the time. It seemed like if you were fighting for the championship. And uh, yes, this Big Twelve, there have been better teams, better Big Twelve teams, obviously, no doubt about it, and there have been better top heavy uh, Big Twelves. Uh, Certainly go back to the Big A when you think about Oklahoma, Missouri, and Kansas, obviously, and uh, those great Iowa State teams. Kansas State teams were always good. Oklahoma State was good. Those leagues were tough, too, back in the day. But in terms of, you know, there just aren't a lot of easy opportunities. Oklahoma is your easy opportunity. Texas Tech is your easy opportunity. But those teams can, uh, you know, raise their level of play and get a victory. Uh, Air Cover Solutions text line real quick before we go to a break. Sooner Co. Wetzel, Steely Loves Lavender, Man Card Revoked. Whoa, hold up, Sooner Co. Wetzel. If you don't have a lavender tie in your professional wardrobe, your man card is revoked. I, you know, I just like uh, I like those Kansas State uniforms. I don't know that I'm a fan of the color lavender, but I do like those uh those uniforms. Steely, I hate to tell you you're colorblind. Those uniforms are hideous. No. I, no. I think that I go back, it brings me back to my childhood when Kansas State was wearing those a lot. And again, they had, back in the day, they had the dark purple shorts and the lighter lavender tops, and it was just such a unique look that I, I still like There will it. be no lavender slander on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One of the hallmarks of masculinity is the ability to rock the softer, more floral colors on the color wheel. 
Lavender is one of those colors. There you go. You have it from Parker Thune right there from the 260. Baylor is the best team. Early struggles were more about health. Yeah, you're right about that. They probably true right It could be. That could probably end up true. being the case. It could end up being the case. They start out the league 0-3. All right, break time right here. Let's come back. Let's talk a little football. Big opportunity uh, tomorrow. You've got Brent Venables and you've got the transfer portal guys and the early enrollees all available to the media. That's about as anti-mule shoe as it gets right there. Those guys would have been hidden and tucked away forever. Not with Brent. All right, stay with us. Coming right back. More of your texts on the way, too. Keep them rolling in. We'll return here in just a second. All right, we are back. Air Comfort Solutions text line is heating up already. 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line is always on fire here at the ref. This We're going to make this segment just a little bit shorter because we have Bill Haston coming up in the next segment on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. He's going to talk about you know what Barry Switzer had to say in the story that he wrote for the Tulsa World that will be coming up again in the next segment at 12.35. Kendall says, I third those comments. Those uniforms were awful. You guys are wrong. No, Kendall, you're wrong. Mama's right. You are wrong. I don't know. I was trying to water boy reference there. Kendall, I hate to tell I hate to be the one to tell you this, but your main man Ben Harris is down at North Alabama these days. You know what color they wear? Mm-hmm. Purple. You think Cole Adams ever wore a lavender tie at Listen, any point? Okay. Maybe. Yes. We had a listener on the text line say Parker really just put manly and lavender in the same sentence. Hashtag stop it. Steely, I maintain that you are not secure in your masculinity until you can confidently wear the color lavender. I mean, I'm not going to totally disagree with you, but you know what kind of state this is? Wranglers and, you know, roping and riding and rednecking and all and, and OU football and, and, and that's God family in the USA. Nothing wrong with any of that, but it's there aren't a lot of people in this state that probably, I would say, 92% of the people, the male population, probably wouldn't be comfortable wearing a lavender tie. Which I don't understand. Again, it is a mark of true masculinity. When you can don the pastels confidently, when you can put on a pastel-colored tie or shirt or... Whatever your wardrobe of choice calls for, and you can rock a color like lavender, you've made it as a man. The words of uh, Parker Thune right there. Jay and Tulsa Prince wore lavender purple, and he was the coolest dude ever. Exactly. Look, you guys are not going to change my opinion on the uniforms. I understand you don't like them. I do like them. I just do because it takes me back to the earlier days of Kansas State. Now, they're not quite the old school K-State, Rolando Blackman, Line Kruger, you know, uh, Norris Coleman, Mitch Richmond uniforms, but they are different. David Norman says, agree once again with Parker on the color-wearing discussion. Grow up, people. Another listener from the 918, though, says, those unis look like my grandma's bath mat. Well, your grandma has a beautiful bath mat, 918. Come on, you can't come after your grandma's bath mat anyway. It's your grandma's bath mat. (laughs) Somebody said, not a mark of masculinity, but of a lady boy. Put the soy down, Parker. (laughs) Listen, 
I don't drink soy milk or soy products of any kind. I just appreciate all the colors of the color wheel, except for orange. I do not like the color orange. I feel like most people with the rational side of their brain fully functional and intact do not enjoy wearing the color orange. But, uh, oh, here, we got more texts. Don't like pink, but not afraid to wear it because I'm not a terrified hillbilly. Ardmore Sooner says, nothing to do with masculinity. It's just hideous. No lavender. Get it out of here. I like the 405. Kendall says, alligators are ornery because they has all those teeth and no toothbrush. Yes, you got the water boy reference. Something's wrong with Idmadula Oblongata. I'm not talking about Kendall. That's just a... That was the greatest scene in Waterboy, in my opinion, with the professor. And, <laughs> Somebody and, said, is this a Tulsa men's clinic <laughs> ad? Uh, the one saying you can't wear pastels as a man probably still wear cargo shorts. I wasn't going to say it, but since you did. Uh, another listener in the 405 says, Rockin' Lavender Chucky Taylor High Tops is cool. There we go. There we go. Lavender and purple are not the same. They aren't. I mean, a lavender is a lighter, a lighter, much lighter shade. Yes. I find it a more appealing shade. And it's more versatile, too. It's more versatile. You can have more outfit pairings with a color like lavender. We've got Mr. GQ in the 918, and he's agreeing with you. Parker, wear a suit daily. I have lavender shirts and ties. Always get compliments. You exactly. See? That's the other thing, Dad man. Guys the, ladies the ladies love the color Dad lavender. Guys they love the, the color lavender. I found this out in college. Lavender is not only a very aesthetically appealing color, but it works wonders with the women. Uh, From the 405, a lot of people on the text line outing their insecurities. Not scared of wearing any color because I'm a grown man who's comfortable in his skin. Thank you. That's all I'm saying, people. That's your burner, isn't it, right there? That's your burner. (laughs) Show me that other phone. I'm sitting here writing. Where is that other phone? It's over there somewhere. It's over there somewhere. That was too perfectly written. Oh, man. I'm going to find it at the break, folks, and out him. Right from Jenks, the traditional color for kings is purple. How did we get on lavender and purple? Kansas I mean, I State, know Kansas State. I know, and- I know, but I never meant for this to be a discussion about colors. What is this, the Bob Ross painting hour here? Listen, somebody dissed lavender on the text line, and mm-hmm. I felt the need to engage with them. Okay. All right. uh, from the 405 as well. Every time I wear a purple slash lavender tie, I get tons of compliments from women. Listen, I'm just trying to help y'all out here. Trying to broaden your horizons. Trying to deepen your appreciation for more tasteful additions to the color palette in your wardrobe. I have cargo shorts and pastels. Hard to pair them together at times, though. <laughs> yes, that is. There you go. That's Winning a tough tweet. match to make. I agree with Parker, says this listener in the 806. Real men do what they want and will not care what other people think. Uh, from the 972, oh, here we go. I grew up in a very small rural town in Oklahoma. It doesn't get more country than that. I bought my first lavender tie in 2003. I remember that because I was speaking at an engagement, got a lot of compliments on it, and I'm wearing pink tonight. There you go. One Boom. of the One of the rural rules speaking out Listen, right there. I'm so glad the rural rules are behind me on this. <laughs> you get the at rurals. least some of them. Hey, you get the rurals and you're going to win the votes, right? That's what happens in Oklahoma. 
Is it? it sounds I don't like fo- you've got at least one of the rurals on your side there. I don't follow local politics enough to politics. know the impact of Politics are plain evil. Evil, pure I agree. Evil. That's why I sit here on the radio every day and talk about OU football and the color lavender. 98% of politicians need an exorcist to show up at their house and exercise the demons they have inside them. 98%. And I'm sticking with that. Might be higher, actually. All right, let's break early so we can get uh, as much time as we can with our man Bill Haston from the Tulsa World. We will not be talking any more lavender and purple. We're not going to ask Bill but, about it, but we are going to talk to him about what Barry Switzer said about the SEC. And you do know what song I'm going to bump us into the break with, right? Lavender Rain by Prince. No, Purple Rain. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Great song, by the way. Great album. Great artist. All right. Stay with us. Coming right back here on The Ref. There you go. An appropriate song. Sooner Nation. Basically telling the king they won't back down against the SEC. Whenever there's... uh, backlash to Barry Switzer. It's going to be something very interesting. And Bill Haston's been writing about Barry Switzer, who first took the uh, Oklahoma job as the head coach in 1973, so 50 years. And, uh, Bill, welcome to the program. Uh, We want to get as much in with you as we can uh, because so many people have been talking about this. You wrote the story the other day where Barry basically said, you know, let me know who, who made the decision for Oklahoma to go to the SEC. It's basically like playing Texas. He's talking about the old classic matchups you down in the Cotton Bowl when he was going against Darrell Royal and others that were always tough. Uh, and it certainly sounded like Barry wasn't a, a big fan of Oklahoma's move to the SEC. Now, sometimes, you know, the quotes usually tell the story. Sometimes there's some nuance. Would you say that Barry Switzer thinks this is absolutely the wrong move, the way uh, he spoke to you? Uh, I, well, I mean, twice during his response to that. And you know what? This was like, all right, Mike, he and I talked about 50 minutes. Okay. And this was on the record. We talked for about 50 minutes. And I mean, this was like minute 46. And I said, oh, 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 um, you know, because as now that we have this clarity on the timeline on the switch to the SEC, are you excited to see, you know, and are you going to the SEC? Are you excited to see what that looks like? Which is a big topic, but I kind of presented it in almost like a throwaway question. And he, and then twice, I pretty much used every every syllable of his response to it uh, as a quoted material. But he twice he said, "I'm concerned," and then, like you said, Mike, he said, "I know what it'll bleep and look like. It'll look like we're playing Texas every week," and. Then he said uh, what he said about, you know, I'm, I just want to see ultimately who holds up their hand and says, I'm the one who thought it was a good idea to go to the SEC. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little more after that, but with regard to on the record response, that was his exact response. And so, I mean, did, he didn't say I am for it or against it. He did not, but it, you know, you don't have to uh, do a lot of uh, reading between the lines to figure out he's not a fan of it. And uh, so, anyway, it was, and I thought, well, this doesn't need to be included in the Switzer 50-year piece. This needs to be broken out separately. And No doubt. And, look, I mean, within by noon the next day, it was the number one story on the Tulsa World site. I knew it would be. I knew there'd be a lot of reaction to it. Um, but, I mean, you know, I mean, Maybe, uh, I mean, it's not like 
there's going to be a staff meeting at OU today and say, oh, Coach Switcher's worried, so we better we better start uh, making some changes right now. I mean, everybody on the on that campus knows uh, what has to be done, and the and that there's a gap between Alabama, Georgia, and where OU is at this point, and they know how to fix it. Whether they can fix it um, with the current staff, with the current commitment to resources, uh, remains to be seen. But I just know over the last five recruiting uh, cycles that Alabama has signed 20 five-star guys, and Georgia signed 23 five-star guys, and OU has signed seven. And that's a discrepancy that I think more than any other that Coach Switzer's alluding to when he says he's concerned. Yeah, now, Bill, I want to ask you, because you mentioned that you talked to Barry Switzer for close to an hour, and there's there's no insinuation right. here. This is just an honest question. Barry's a guy that's obviously a legend. Uh, he's one of the few that's won a Super Bowl and won a national championship at the collegiate level, but on the other side of the coin – by the same token, he hasn't coached in 25 years. So as you're talking with Barry, as you're getting the opportunity to hash this all out with him, how in tune do you think he is with all the behind-the-scenes realities of college football that have materialized really not just within the last 25 years but really within the last five? Uh, I would say probably not Barry, but I don't think he gives a crap about it either. I don't think he gives a half of a damn about it. I think I think he I think Coach Switzer focuses on the bottom line, which is you know uh, winning or losing and, and how it looks. And no, I, I mean, but I mean, and, and really that doesn't even matter anyway. It's it's an even playing field, no matter how funky it is, no matter how weird it is now or different it is now or how impossibly difficult it is to manage a roster now. It's everybody's problem. So. How do you how do you navigate through that? But I mean, if you you ask a fair question. Coach Switzer hasn't uh, coached college football in thirty four years, and you know he's been out of the game altogether since ninety seven. So, uh, but I don't think he cares about that. I just think he's he sees a forty nine nothing loss in the Cotton Bowl. He sees a defense that was one hundred twenty two nationally in yards allowed, and and that in a matter of a year and a half they're going to be in the SEC, and he's worried about it. So, yeah, uh, Bill. You know, yeah, what? Yeah, no, I don't think he. I don't think he uh, delves into the minutia of NIL, yeah. portal, uh, portal management, and all that. I don't think he cares. Yeah, Barry is Barry. He's always going to give you an honest opinion. He's he's not PC. And when I saw this, I you know I could see Barry Switzer sitting down with you and saying those things. Now another thing that popped up is you know how. Uh, Oklahoma fans are going to be upset. Uh, that guy we call Muleshoe here, we don't mention his name, he's like the Sooners version of Kevin Durant now. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if they'll ever get over it. And Barry also, in a way, took up for Lincoln Riley. So there was a lot of stuff in there. You know, I can only imagine what, uh, what some of the reactions been to, to that part of the story as well. Um, not as much, but some, for sure. Um, Oh my gosh! I I mean, when I got home, I went to a ball game last night. When I got home, uh, I thought I had gotten caught up on all the email responses and Facebook message responses to this package, and and I got home last night and opened it all up, and they're just a whole new wave of it. So and and no I doubt, bet. some of it some of it is Lincoln, uh, uh, and and it what he did was unforgivable to most people, and. But I did think what, and in a nutshell, in case somebody hadn't read it, is that Barry said that uh, 
he was talking about uh, why did OU uh, leave? To, why is OU leaving to go to the SEC? Money. Why did Lincoln leave OU uh, to go to Southern Cal? Money. Uh, so um, I don't know that he was taken up for him so much as trying to underscore his position on the on the SEC move. Uh, and and he said, you know, uh, Lincoln didn't get a vote in the process. He didn't get. He wasn't. Uh, updated or involved in the decision making on the SEC move and blah blah blah. So I mean, it's it feels like every time the Lincoln wound uh, starts to kind of become a scar instead of a wound, somebody rips the scab off again. And <laughs> no doubt, I just my, <laughs> you know I pray I, I I say I pray for certain people in certain situations every night before I go to sleep. And, I, and at the tail end of it, when I get to the less relevant parts, I pray for OU and Southern Cal to meet in the playoff. There you go. There <laughs> you go. That's what I want. Oh, Bill just wants to watch the world burn, don't we all? Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, what, a, what a game that would be, though. No, it'd Do be it. fantastic for so many reasons. Yeah. It would be perhaps yeah. the most anticipated OU football game <laughs> of the entire right. 21st century. Well, since right. they won the national championship over Florida State. Like, Mark, th- no, there would just fair. be so much public interest from the OU oh. end in that potential matchup. And, Bill, I, I feel like it's a question that we talked about quite a bit at the very beginning in the immediate aftermath of Lincoln's departure and the advent of the Brent Venables era at Oklahoma. But as you can look now with some degree of hindsight at all that's gone down amidst the last – year and a half of Oklahoma football from the coaching transition to the pending move to the SEC to the six and seven campaign that's got everybody a little bit apprehensive and perhaps rightfully so. But now that we can look back in hindsight to some extent, how true is it, do you feel, that Oklahoma's better set up to contend in the SEC and make this transition effectively given that Lincoln Riley is no longer the head coach? Um, well, I mean, the offensive side of the program is, is taking a hit. Um, I mean, could Lincoln have continued to have a top five or six offense indefinitely? Could he continue, would he have continued to bring in, uh, Heisman finalists or Heisman winning quarterbacks? Um, but I mean, I think the, the key person for the transition, the most important person at the university is Joe. And as long as Joe stays and, you know, talking about anniversaries, Mike, this is the 25th anniversary of Joe, uh, having become the AD at OU. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I don't, here's what I believe about hot seat stuff and Brent and all of it. I think there will be some hot seat websites that, have Brent mentioned as this, and it is, and it's a really important season for Brent. There has to be, there have to be great signs of improvement and you have to, uh, whether that's nine and three regular season, uh, but it all looks better. I mean, I'm not even like putting a number on it so much, Mike. It just is, it has to look better. Holy smokes. It just does. And whether that's with Gabriel or if the freshman's on the field or whatever, but, I think uh, if I'm OU, if I'm an OU season ticket holder, I do feel some comfort with knowing I've got 
uh, a top five AD in the sport or in the country. Uh, and he's, I don't see any signs that Joe's ready to retire. Um, I, I see 10 more years of Joe Castiglione. And so if there are red flags at the end of this season, I think there's going to be, uh, I think there's going to be some big, big changes because you can't, you can't let a problem fester and you can't, I mean, look at Nebraska. You started stacking average seasons and all of a sudden you're irrelevant. You can't have that. You can't sit still and watch your football machine um, become average. And so this, I mean, I hate the schedule. I mean, I hate it. It's, it's the most boring. I mean, five of the home opponents were 28 and 35 last year. I mean, if I'm spending $555 for a seat in Section 10, and I, and most of the weeks I'm going to be driving to Norman, I'm going to see Arkansas State and, and uh, SMU. No, nah, I'm not fired up about that. But the season itself is critically important because it doesn't matter who the other side is. I mean, the OU has to look so much better. And But as far as, you know, being positioned for the transition to the SEC. You'd like to have the best parts of Lincoln with a more sustained uh, and better uh, defensive side of the program. And, you know, the last two recruiting classes have been great. Keep all that up together. You got to get a bundle, all that somehow. And then you can't even, you can't have a one year lull even Mike in recruiting anymore. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't. Not, You've got to be in the top. Not when you're no. chasing the lead dogs, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you, can't, gotta... you can't drop the ball and be 19th one year. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, you're right. Hey, Bill, we're out of time. Good stuff. It's good to catch up with you. Good to hear your voice. Uh, tell all those folks in Tulsa when you see Pat or Jerry O that uh, I miss those guys up there. But uh, it's good to catch up with you. Good stuff with the stuff with Switzer has been excellent. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Thank you. All right, fellas. Thank you. See you, Mike. Bill Haston joining us on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right, we're going to break right here. We're going to get back to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. 405-651-3439. We'll do that when we get back right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. All right. Thanks to uh, Bill Haston for coming on with us. Love Bill. Old school journalist. Been at it for a long time. Everybody likes Bill Haston. Super dude. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he appeared on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. And guess what? Beats and Bites, the great outdoor concert series, is coming back again for a seventh season. We'll start off the festivities May 27th with 38 special and Blue Oyster Cult. How about that right there? I'm like going back in a time machine, jumping in the DeLorean. 38 special and Blue Oyster Cult. I, I think, uh, Shay, are you ready to head out there for that? Uh, June 10th, the Gin Blossoms with Tonic and Soul Asylum. Uh, July 8th, Mark uh, Chestnut, Shenandoah, and Tracy Bird. August 28th, Gary Allen. Food trucks everywhere. Kid-friendly environment. Bring your folding chairs. Bring your appetite. Great craft beers from Coop Ale Works. 
And again, uh, music outside. It's going to be another great time with all those great food trucks out there. Riverwind Casino and Coupe Ale Works present Beats and Bites. The Outdoor Summer Music Festival begins again May 27th. 38 Special and Blue Oyster Cult. Get your tickets right now at Riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece. That's, that's a heck of a deal. What did you think about what Bill had to say? Anything surprised you at all? I mean, I don't know if anything surprised me. No. He seems um, a little more concerned about Oklahoma than most people. Who, Bill or Barry? Both, a little bit. Oh, Bill, okay. I think, and he's, you know, I, I just don't see Oklahoma dropping off another really bad year. Now, they could they go eight and four? Maybe. But I don't see another season like that. And it's like you talked about, where they lose – Five one-possession games. Yeah, they well, clearly hey, got to get a lot better. And better athletes coming in to fit Brent's system is going to be a big help. Certainly. And, no, Oklahoma is not going to walk into the SEC and just start relegating everyone else to mediocrity. They're not going to lay waste to the SEC right off the bat. It's not going to be Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, at least not in year one. But I also don't think Oklahoma gets the SEC and all of a sudden hits a wall. Yeah. Right? Because with where Oklahoma's at right now as a program, and I know everybody's going to cite six and seven, and it's not entirely fair because that was a better football team than the six and seven record would indicate. I, I think Oklahoma immediately occupies that second tier in the SEC that is currently where Tennessee, Florida, LSU, et cetera, reside. Yeah. Now, well, I mean, you're going to a conference, into a conference with the best two programs in college football. Yes. Period. Yes. And for the foreseeable future, especially in a 12-team playoff, you're going to be able to sharpie those two in every single season. But as we've talked about, the SEC is probably in a position where, as a conference, they're going to get four, maybe five, even six teams in the college football playoff every single year. So, as long as you're in the upper echelon, which is where Oklahoma will be, you're going to have the opportunity to play for a national championship every season. Yeah, and again, that is the safety net. If you're going into the SEC and you get a 14 playoff, then uh, you know, then that's very pl- problematic because obviously you've got, as I said, the best two programs: Georgia one, Alabama one A, right now. So again, I, I do think. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, where Oklahoma fits in initially. But if you do Oklahoma right, you can be right there. You can be right there with those programs. It's going to take three more recruiting classes maybe. But the way this staff has recruited so far has been very impressive. Very impressive. To the Air Comfort Solutions text line, if we don't win at least nine games with this schedule, we are literally screwed. You're talking about this year, meaning – the last year in the Big 12, 2023? Yeah. Is that the, yeah, is that the schedule talk, you're referring he's, to? He's got to be talking about that. Then, yeah, I would agree with you. I, yeah, there I'm ought with you. to be nine wins on that schedule at minimum. And I would say double digits is not just within the realm of possibility, but likely. And again, I, people, there's always going to be that one on the text line that hears me say, How can you say double digit wins is likely? Uh, they're going to hear me say, Oklahoma ought to win 10 games and go, how can you predict that? How how can you be saying that after they just went six and seven? Well, again, we go back to the whole one possession thing. 
right? Oklahoma's not going to go 0-5 in one-possession games. Any college football team is not going to go 0-5 in one-possession games two years in a row. But they get, if they go 1-4 or something like that, and if they get in five again, then Brent's going to start, you know, the, the heat's really going to be turned up. But I'm with you. I think this schedule – uh, you know, last year, many times it, it was an embarrassment out there in some of those games. But they also, you know, you can talk about Davis Bevel and the Cotton Bowl and Dylan Gabriel going out. Uh, for the most part, every time Dylan Gabriel was out there, they were pretty much competitive in every game. And, well, and here's a right? text. Here's a text from the 918. Explain how they were better than their record. Oh, how we continue to make excuses for a bad 2022 football team. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just saying. If Oklahoma wins 11 games next year, that's a whole hell of a lot different than Kansas winning 11 games next season. Even though Oklahoma and Kansas had the same record in 2022, we would look at an 11-win season for Oklahoma in 2023 and conclude, you know what? Based on how many things just didn't go their way in 2022, it's not all that shocking that they were right back to where they had been in previous years in 23. If Kansas goes and wins 11 games – Everybody's blown away by that because Kansas ostensibly doesn't have the talent level that Oklahoma has, nor did they have the bad luck, the misfortune that Oklahoma did in 2022. And so I'm not trying to make excuses. Six and seven is six and seven. But what I am saying is, are we really all that shocked compared to the typical six and seven program if Oklahoma is the one to rise to double digit win territory next season? Worst season in 25 years. You clearly, you've got to be better. And the Oklahoma standard, man, is about as high as it gets in college football. So we'll see if they can uh, come somewhere near it this year. They have to. They have to. I and again, I agree with the texture. That schedule's tailor made for them to win a bunch of football games, at least nine. All right, last year home comfort systems. Thank you. 405-579-3113. We got another hour to go. Keep it here on the ref. Here we are in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Second hour, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72, for a great deal on a car, truck, SUV. Maybe you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle. They have a great selection there and that great guarantee, Seth's guarantee. Of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no zero zilch nada. No additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal. OU basketball team wins last night over K-State 79-65. They will head to Austin for a shootout with Texas uh, 1 o'clock. That's an ESPN Plus game on a Saturday. The women's basketball team, Jenny Baranchek and company back on the floor tonight against Texas Tech at 6 p.m. That's an ESPN Plus game. It's the pink out game. First 500 fans get a pink t-shirt. Tickets are as low as five bucks. The uh, national runner-up Oklahoma men's baseball team, Skip Johnson and company, start the season Friday against Cal Baptist. It's home all weekend for that matchup against Cal Baptist. $4 beers on opening day. Tickets for general admission are just 5 bucks. And uh, Sunday after the game, post-game Sunday, you can get out there and run the bases. Kids will be out there. Maybe you're one of those guys that you compete in the Senior Olympics or whatever, and you can get out there and run the bases too. Uh, for tickets, visit Soonersports.com. The Sooner Weekly Update brought to you by Wade Electric, your trusted electrical experts 
for your home or business. You can call them at 405-329-1940. Parker, why don't we start off on the Air Comfort Solutions tax line that work for you? Sure, let's go right ahead. Jim wants to know, what is the song at the 1 o'clock hour? Well, it's called Two Men Talking. The great by none other Tom Petty than Tom Petty himself. Who is, uh, by the way, he would be rooting for Florida. And there are rumors that maybe the Sooners will get Florida, perhaps. What do you think? You you talked about that yesterday, didn't you? Wasn't it you talking about how you'd like to see Florida in that three-team yeah, and, and rotation? So it it kind of sounds like that may actually happen, too. It does. It does sound like that. Now, uh, the urban legend is that there's a lime tree on the campus of the University of Florida that Tom Petty supposedly planted when he was working as a groundskeeper there. Hmm. Uh, that's nothing more than a legend, though, to my understanding. It is a myth. But, yes, Tom Petty, raised in the Gainesville area, so... I believe he's a Gator through and through. One of the coolest traditions in college football, I think, one of the coolest new traditions is Ben Hill Griffin Stadium rocking out to I Won't Back Down before the beginning of the fourth quarter. I was there the second week they did that. Really? It was two weeks after Petty passed in October of 2017. I was there for a Florida A&M game. It was the Rattlers and the Gators matchup. No, no, no. F- sorry, Florida and A and M. Oh, okay. Texas I was A&M. like Florida A and M game. I was like, okay. Yeah, Kellen Mond was starting that game for A and M as a true freshman. Hmm. I can't for the life of me. I can't remember. A and M won. That's how what did it was. you get A&M there? Won you, nineteen to seventeen. Were you covering the game or what? No, I was just chilling, man. You just decided you were going up, to the swamp. I was living up the college life. I was just enjoying my trip? autonomy as a college student. Um, was okay. Back to the text line here. You t- somebody said you take off three losses with the new schedule anyway, not having to play Tech, Baylor, or K State. I, I I would imagine that's somewhat tongue in cheek. But again, if you go and look at Oklahoma's schedule, what it looks like in the year twenty twenty three, there are three games to me that you ought to be concerned about, or at the very least apprehensive about. If you're an Oklahoma fan, those being obviously the Red River Showdown. Because that can always swing either way. And then the two game wrap at the end of the year, BYU and TCU. You got to go to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. You got to come home to play TCU. Those are both going to be challenges. But realistically, Steely, OU should be 5 0 heading into the Cotton Bowl because they should beat Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Iowa State, Cincinnati. I. I don't think anyone would argue that those are five football games OU ought to win. Yeah, should, no doubt. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to uh, to see what happens again with some of these portal guys. Like I said, I think Deshaun McCullough has a chance to be a big-time player. Uh, Bothroyd can get after the quarterback. Reggie Pearson Jr., all these guys they brought in. Trace Ford, obviously. Uh, you know, is a guy that if he's healthy can make a lot of plays for him. Jacob Lacey. They've got a chance to be uh, much, much better on the defensive side of the football. And uh, hopefully an extra year learning Brent's system will help as well. Uh, But we'll see. All right, 405-651-3439. It is interesting. This comes from the 580. It is interesting to hear Haston refer to NIL as minutia. Both he and Switzer. Are are out of touch. Players want to play in the SEC, and that's where we need to be. 
Well, I can't disagree with that. I mean, uh, we've talked about one of the challenges for Oklahoma was you're trying to recruit better defensive players to come to play for you. You've got a great offensive reputation. You had a tremendous run of quarterbacks, but you couldn't get enough defensive studs. You've got some here and there, but not nearly enough to compete with, uh, you know, the schools that are playing for the national championship. And one of the issues there was, you know, what do you think, uh, you know, a lot of those kids were hearing if they were considering Oklahoma or a Big 12 school for a while. <laughs> you want to go to the Big 12, try and get to the NFL, you know, make money in the NFL, be a high draft pick and go play defense in the Big 12, particularly when it was a lot more and it started to change and swing back in the other direction a little bit. But what is, you know, all these the quarterbacks getting rid of the football so quick, you know, you could have Lawrence Taylor trying to make a sack and they may not get there. But uh, that was a problem. That, that If you wanted to be an elite defensive player, you were thinking about the SEC, right? Pretty much. Not everybody, but particularly the, a lot of those big interior linemen and uh, great pass rushers seem to be just all going to the SEC. So that's going to help Oklahoma. Uh, here's, here's a question that will open the door to a much larger conversation because people have been asking periodically throughout the show, about Michael Van Buren, the four-star quarterback out of the state of Maryland. And it was reported by On3's Chad Simmons that he's eyeing an Oklahoma visit as his contact with the OU staff has started to ramp back up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people have asked what the situation is between Oklahoma and Michael Hawkins and why it would be that Oklahoma would be pursuing another quarterback if they're so confident that they're going to get Hawkins. But this question that comes from the text line is, Todd Bates whiffed in 2023 why didn't he bring in better players defensive tackle is our biggest need and he brought in two three stars well folks like brandon drum have talked about this extensively in our tell-all series at ouinsider.com but when dj hicks woke up on his commitment day he was an oklahoma sooner now we all understand why that changed right i don't need to belabor the point there but the point i'm trying to make And kind of how this ties into the Hawkins-Van Buren situation is to say that even your best laid plans can fall through in this era of college football with how much the game has changed since July 1st, 2021. Even the things that you think are rock solid, even assurances that you have been given that you feel confident will not be reneged upon, They can be fluid, and in some cases, highly fluid. And so to learn that Michael Van Buren and Oklahoma are in contact and that the staff is recruiting him should surprise no one because if we learned anything from the David Hicks situation, it's that you can never have just one guy that you're counting on, especially when that one guy is going to be instrumental to your recruiting class at a position of need or at a position where the individual that you're pursuing could have a significant peer-to-peer effect on others in his same geographical vicinity. And so all that to say, you should be apprehensive as an Oklahoma fan if it were to come to light that Michael Hawkins was the only quarterback OU was keeping in touch with. Yeah, and on the Bates situation, you know, it's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, A always, B, B, C closing. you got to close these deals. And uh, like you said, we know kind of what went down with Dave, David Hicks. Maybe this year he's going to close on a couple, you know, maybe two 
a five star and a four star. We'll we'll see. But Todd Bates has a good history of being a really good recruiter. He just didn't close some of those deals down the stretch. But what were we thinking, Parker, for a while? We didn't think the recruiting class was going to fall apart. But when you lost David, uh, David Hicks and then Colton Vosick and then Anthony Evans flipped, there was panic starting to set in. Is Oklahoma going to have a top 10 class? And they ended up closing pretty well. You know, high school players only, number four class in the country. That's an excellent effort, particularly when you go six and seven. But they do need, and hopefully the guys in the portal that they brought in will, you know, do more than just fix a flat. They'll be like new tires, but they they do need to start closing some of the, uh, you know, Gerald McCoy types uh, on the interior defensive line. And you think they're going to this year, right? At least one of those four that we've talked about? Oh, yes, at, at least one. If you don't got one – if you don't get one, then we got issues, Steely. If Nigel Smith, Davian Sims, David Stone, and Will Winery all end up in uniforms that are not crimson and cream, then we got issues. And then we'll have a discussion. Until then, let's chill. All right. Who are you uh, staying with as the first commit of the 2024 class? I still say Hawkins. Really? Yes. Oh, the wide receiver? That you've talked about? Potentially. Oh, no, you said he was going to be later. That's right. So you still think Michael Hawkins? What do you think the timetable is? Well, just, he's, I, got, he's finally got the transfer stuff done. I, I would be surprised if we get out of the month of March without a commitment from Hawkins. And I was obviously down in Dallas this past weekend talking to him, talking to his dad, talking to people in his camp. And they, they understand that as a quarterback, you want to be committed early because you want to be able to recruit the remainder of the class around you much the way Jackson Arnold did a year ago. So I think that in March you will see Hawkins visit TCU at least one more time. If he doesn't visit Oklahoma, it's not something I would be too alarmed by because he's been to Oklahoma six times in the last six months. So – at this point, for that family and that kid, right now it's about crossing the T's, dotting the I's, making sure that they're all confident in their final decision and that they have evaluated this thing from every angle. But that said, that's where their sole focus is now that he's clear of the UIL hearing and his eligibility has officially been reinstated. So I would say you get a commitment from him in March one way or the other. And I know for a fact there are a lot of other guys in the DFW area that are waiting to see where Michael Hawkins lands because – they want to well i should i i shouldn't make it sound as though it's a given that they're going to follow him but they want to know that if they're going to go to Oklahoma they're going to be joining forces with a quarterback of that caliber in their same class all right break time right here once again 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line Mike Steely Parker Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans the Ref Radio Network Good to have you with us. Guess who's back tomorrow? Guess who's back? Who's back? Tiger. On the course tomorrow, 2.04 Central Standard Time with Rory and Justin Thomas at Riviera for the Genesis, Genesis Invitational. So for anybody who watches the stream, I will not be streaming tomorrow because I'm going to watch Tiger Woods, sit on my couch and watch Tiger tomorrow. All right, we'll be right back here on The Ref.
All right, we're back. Steel Man and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network, Wednesday edition, locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas coming up right here on the Ref at the top of the hour at 2 o'clock. All right, so you heard Parker say he's pretty confident that uh, the Sooners are going to do much better in terms of getting uh, highly ranked interior defensive linemen or just defensive linemen. What about the guys at Oklahoma got? At one point, Derek LeBlanc in this class was a four-star. They got in on Ashton Sanders late. You know, um, you miss out on, uh, obviously, DJ Hicks, Cecilia Kana, Caden McDonald. Uh, Yeah, and you know what? I love how the narrative is always Bates got two three-stars, referring, of course, to Ashton Sanders and Marcus Strong, as if Derek LeBlanc just doesn't exist. Yeah. That I, that narrative loves to conveniently neglect the fact that Todd Bates landed one of the top interior defensive linemen in the country in Derek LeBlanc. And regardless of what kind of slide he took late in the cycle because he didn't elect to play in the All-American game, that kid's still really good. Talking 12 and a half sacks as a senior, good. In the state of Florida, no less. So, let's see what type of player Derek LeBlanc is as well, before we start holding Todd Bates accountable for being a bad recruiter. Okay, so tomorrow you have this media availability, and uh, Brent is going to be part of it, and then they're making, from what we understand, the guys who, you know, the transfer portal guys and the early enrollees will be made available to the media. Who do you want to hear from the most, like your top three tomorrow? (laughs) Top three? Well, honestly, like, I feel like the public, they're going to be most excited to hear from PJ just because, you know, he's a five-star and he's a guy that hasn't done a whole lot of interviews. I, like, I've like i spent enough time around PJ. Like, I, probably won't even, like, I probably won't even end up asking him any questions tomorrow. We'll just <laughs> chat about track or something like that. But – I think it'll be good for people to experience PJ. The guys that I'm really excited to talk to are a Phil Pachotti, because he stays out of the spotlight for the most part. Doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. Hasn't said a ton since he committed to Oklahoma last July. Um, but I, beyond Phil, I just I'm excited to see PJ and Caden again, just because I haven't seen them since they enrolled, and those are my guys have been for a long time. Uh, but in terms of the guys I'm excited to hear from, very excited to hear from Phil Pichotti and see what that interview is like. What about the portal um, guys? Excited. Yeah, and as far as the portal guys are concerned, I think I'm I'm really curious to hear what Austin Stogner has to say about his decision to return to Oklahoma. And naturally, he's going to face that question probably several times over. Tomorrow, and you know, Trace with, Ford going from a Cowboy to a Sooner? Yeah, I would imagine there will be a lot made of that whole storyline as well. So I would say my short list, and, you know, here, here's what it is. It's Phil, it's Austin Stogner, and it's Walter Rouse because the offensive Walter line Rouse from Stanford. Was, and Walter Rouse was a Nebraska Cornhusker for about 48 hours until all of a sudden, boom, Saturday morning, he flips to Oklahoma right before the enrollment deadline. And so I would imagine there will be plenty of questions thrown his way about what that whole process, as much of a whirlwind as it was over that 72-hour period, was like. 
Phil Picciotti needs like an NIL deal with the Saucy Sicilian or like Othello, some Italian place, right? Yes, you, without you question. Feature, you, you, you think that in the future he will be a dude that has his own restaurant, Picciotti's. Here's the question. If Phil Picciotti were in the mafia, which guy would he be? Hmm. Would he be the hitter? Would he be the enforcer? Would he be the mob boss? I, I will have would, to wait and see this fall, but my guess is um, he wouldn't be like Sonny from The Godfather because Sonny was the hothead. Maybe he would be like Michael. He would start out, you know, not real interested, but then end up as the boss. We'll see. But I'd go to Pachati's. It just sounds good, doesn't it? I think that he'll eventually have his own Italian restaurant. So, Pachati's cheesesteaks. He's from Pennsylvania, after all. There you go. (laughs) Love how everybody blaming Todd Bates. This is from the text line, by the way. Love how everybody's blaming Todd Bates, like this problem of not getting top-notch D-linemen started when Muleshoe left. It's this conference. Gerald McCoy said he's willing to help, right? Yeah, and that that's a really good point because getting a guy like Derek LeBlanc, getting a class that included Derek LeBlanc, Ashton Sanders, and Marcus Strong in the mule shoe era would have been regarded as a huge win, wouldn't it? Is that revisionist history? Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. I would say, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out, but I do think the underboss is uh, what Phil Pachotti would be. Would love to hear if they press Peyton Bowen about his early signing day drama, says one listener. I wonder he's, if he's already said quite a bit yeah. about that, not to the OUB reporter specifically. Obviously, Dude, that question's going to get asked. Yeah, and, but, but you know what? He handled that so well with what he – and I don't know how much help he had, you know, with uh, the way he responded and apologized to Oregon and everybody in Notre Dame and everybody else. But I thought that was handled very well. Yeah, well – on the uh, – oh, boy. Oh, no. We got a Doug and Norman text. I went to answer another text, and I accidentally clicked on a brand-new text from Doug and Norman. Who Doug is like the president of the anti-Phil Pachotti League. He's clearly on a mission to take out Phil Pachotti. You think so? Who is Doug in the mafia if he's trying to 86 Phil? Doug is Mo Green out in Vegas. They had to get rid of him. Doug said, Parker, why are you talking about Phil Pichotti? He wasn't even a starter on his high school team. I watched four of his games last year, and he only played on punt teams. Later in the year, he only played during garbage time when his team was way ahead of the opponent. Doug, where was Phil Pichotti playing last year? IMG? He was playing at IMG. That's an all-star team. It is an all-star team. As much of an all-star team as that there is in the high school level in the United States. And if you'd, ta- if you'd talk to Phil Pachotti's coaches down at IMG, which I did, they would tell you that his lack of a starting role on that IMG defense was not because he wasn't an absolute warrior. It was just because IMG had that many dudes. Yeah, and we'll see if he uh, is the dude again that he can become a dude at Oklahoma. But uh, they obviously liked they they've liked him for a long time, and they think he, they can make him a better player. We'll see. Somebody said Doug is the FBI agent that no one likes. Doug is the rat that's in every mob movie. <laughs> the rat. 
Gunny says, Doug's got to come through me to get to feel. I hear the calamari at Pachati's is fantastic. I'm glad we're not Jesse stereotyping a name, by the way. We've got him with an Italian restaurant, <laughs> Italian restaurant and in the mob. Oh, man. Post his career, of course, at OU. Doug might be sleeping with the fishies. That was, says one who was that, Luca Brazzi, I believe? Oh, man. This listener in the 615 says, Parker, do these, do these kids listen to the ref? Because if I'm Derek LeBlanc or some of these three stars, nothing would drive me to the transfer portal faster than listening to a fan base complain about the fact that I was all they could get. Come on, OU fans, be better than this. I would doubt. I mean, look, for an old man, I'm pretty cool. Parker's, man, he's got it. But they're not listening here. Not the players at that age. Are you kidding? They've got their wireless earbuds in, and they're listening to whatever else, or they're in a meeting. They, I would would seriously doubt many of them listen here. They should be, but, you know. Here's a listener that said, I want linebackers that do start on an all-star high school team. How about a guy that started the All-American game, Lewis Carter, and a guy that started the All-American Bowl, Samuel Masigo? That good enough for you? Well, Pachati has always been one of those guys that they feel like they can really develop as well, right? Not that he's without any talent, but yes, if you're, if you're like you know, we've got the NBA All Star Game coming up this weekend. If you're not starting, uh, you know, you're still a pretty good player, particularly if you're at IMG. But it's also been about this staff; they think they can develop him to an even better uh, prospect. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. All These right. These texts are hilarious. Doug is the horse head in the bed. <laughs> Doug is running the hot dog stand outside of the hangout. Not relevant. How can I become a Doug from Norman Texter? I want to see the world through Braille glasses and wallow in it. <laughs> Doug is Agent Skinner in the X-Files. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let's leave the gun, take the cannoli. Into this break, ladies and gentlemen, 405-651-3439. Uh, before we get out of here, we uh, what do I have I want to play? Oh, I want to play uh, Bob Stoops on uh, coaching Blake Bell. And we got to hear from Tiger. Uh, about 40 seconds worth of Tiger. Back in action tomorrow. First time since the Open Championship last July playing in a real tournament. Stay with us here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. The Air Comfort Solutions text line never disappoints. So good. 405-651-3439. We're going to hear from Tiger Woods, about 30 seconds of uh, Tiger talking about his appearance at Riviera tomorrow. Yes. My Twitter poll broke the Twitterverse. Really? I So I took our conversation from earlier about the color lavender. All right. And I put it out there on social media. I said, is it a mark of true masculinity to be able to confidently wear the color lavender? That poll was on the Twitterverse for about 20 minutes before Twitter crashed. Really? Twitter is down. Wow. The color lavender and we on this program have broken Twitter. What uh, What were the early returns? Did we get the exit polls? Uh, 60-40. Yes, no. Hmm. So, 60% lean yes. In this state, that's a little bit surprising. Well... We're worldwide, Steele, well, as that's we know. True. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you mean Twitter reaches outside the state boundaries? Hmm, I didn't know that. I Anyway. All right, I'm glad that we are not stereotyping Phil Pachotti. We've got him in the mob and owning his own Italian restaurant after becoming a great linebacker at the University of Oklahoma. On his visit, we have uh, – this is 
audio from the secret microphone police. Phil Pichotti wanted to make sure from the OU coaches that it would be a family atmosphere. Here's what he said. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Yeah, well that, done. that was the uh, voice of uh, Phil Pichotti right there. Can you play it one more time just so I can hear it? Thank you, Phil Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. There you go. Man, I had no idea his voice sounded like that. It's pretty cool. Santa John on the text line said, To Doug and Norman, you might be presented with an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Uh, Pichotti says there is no mafia and not sure what that's referring to. That's right. He's a friend of Oz, though. Phil Pichotti. Or will be. Chris Rich on the text line also said if you listen to Teddy, he anticipates Phil playing a role with the linebackers early and often. Uh, I I usually find it wise to defer to Teddy Lehman on all matters regarding the linebacker position. He uh, he played a solid linebacker. Yes, he he won that. You know, there was this guy named Dick Butkus, and he was a fierce linebacker. Uh, Monsters of the Midway, Chicago Bear, badass, and they named a trophy um, after him, the Butkus Award, right? And that goes to really good linebackers, which Teddy won. So, yes, I believe he, he understands the position. So, so anyway, did I just hear Bob in that commercial for Van Who's Fence say, you don't have to Google it up? Yes. Nice. Well done. That was very well done. Okay, here's Tiger playing tomorrow. Yes, just give me my man crush for 90 seconds, Okay. Tiger tomorrow, Riviera, he's never won there. He's had a couple runners-up, but overall, he also has some erratic rounds there. He's got an ankle issue, but he's back out there playing in a real event. He'll tee it up with Rory and Justin Thomas. What a trio that'll be tomorrow at 2.04. That's why I won't be streaming tomorrow. I will be watching the coverage, first on ESPN Plus till 3 o'clock, and then on the Golf Channel after 3 o'clock. Here's what Tiger said about, you know, being at the event, he says he's still trying to get dubs. I'm excited to go out there and compete and play with these guys. And I would not have put myself out here if I didn't think I could beat these guys and, and win the event. Um, that's my mentality. And if I wasn't ready to win at this level, I you know I am very rusty. Um, but I've come off rusty situations before and I've done well. And uh, I've had to utilize a lot of those tactics in practice. And, and build up, and plus also I know this, this golf course. Uh, I know I haven't had a lot of success on this golf course, but I, I knew what to practice for, uh, shots to hit. Um, I was at home getting ready. There you go. Tiger was last seen playing, uh, you know, alongside his son Charlie at the uh, PNC event. So be interesting to see how he plays tomorrow, and it all is going towards Augusta. And the deal is this. Tiger is going to play, he already played a limited schedule, but it's going to be super limited now. Probably the majors and a couple events. You might see Tiger like seven, eight times a year, would be my guess. So, and, you know, if he's in the FedEx Cup race, then that would change things, but we'll see. Okay, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions, text line. Breaking from a listener in the 405. I saw Phil Pachotti beat an old man to death in the street because he didn't pay his gambling debts. <laughs> Was that over on Campus Corner? Maybe.
Hopefully that wasn't in the state of Oklahoma. Well, wait, no, I guess gambling. Is gambling legal in Oklahoma? Yeah, gambling is. Sports gambling is not. I don't gamble, so I'm kind of removed from that whole environment. It's not legal in Oklahoma yet. No, it's not. Emphasis on the yet. Well, I'd love to see it happening now, but, you know, um, I want to make sure we get it. That would be at Riverwind. That would be most important to me. That's my place right there. Channeling Doug and Norman, says this texter from the 417. Watch Tiger for 10 minutes at the driving range. I want to see players that can actually play. Well, you know, the whole thing about that is it is IMG, IMG Academy. So, you know, if he was playing at his local high school, then obviously it would be a lot different. So, Somebody said hoping it wasn't Pickleman's. Ooh. <sighs> Brian in Tulsa says, of course they don't bring up LeBlanc because that would prove that they are wrong and they can't accept that they are wrong. Well, the bottom line is Oklahoma's going to have to bring in, uh, you know, and look, Ashton Sanders and uh, the Freeman kid, they might turn into really good players, right? They might. We'll see. We shall see. But you also need to bring in some of those David Hicks, uh, you know, David Stones and those guys as well. Well, and think about this, too. When Derek LeBlanc committed to Oklahoma, he was the number 64 overall player in the country. In the recruiting ranks, yeah, he was. According to 24 he was a high, four, pretty high four-star, four right? Now, he took a major slide at the end, largely because he didn't get the opportunity to perform in front of a lot of the national folks that have a hand in the recruiting rankings at the All-American game. But how quickly the narrative shifted. Because when Derek LeBlanc committed, everyone was like, hey, Todd Bates, there we go. He can get DJ Hicks, he can get Jordan Renaud, but hey, you know what? He doesn't get those two. It's whatever. We got us a top 100 kid in Derek LeBlanc. Then Derek LeBlanc takes the slide at the end of the year in the rankings updates. And the narrative becomes, who did Todd Bates get in this class? Clearly, Derek LeBlanc isn't as good as we all were led to believe. We'll see. We'll see how he pans out. It's going to be very interesting. And How many five-star defensive linemen are there in each class? Three tops, maybe? Four? It depends on the year. I mean, usually how many five stars do you have? 20? Yeah, you have about 35. 35. Okay, so well, you might get upwards of maybe you get to six or seven, I right? believe Nigel Smith is the number six defensive lineman in the class of 2024, and he is just off the five-star podium. So, five, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. That's probably a good ballpark figure most years for the number of five-star defensive linemen that you're going to have. Now, if you toss in the edge position, maybe you have another three or four more. Right, yeah. And we're talking about, like, defensive tackles, first of all. But, yes. Yeah, yeah. P.J. Atabari, obviously edge guy. Uh, so it would be more if you include both of those together. But, uh, like I said, you know, you're, uh, they, they've got to get some of those. And I think eventually they will. And Parker thinks it's going to be in this class and maybe multiple uh, four or five star guys in this class. LG sooner as we go to a break. Doug grew the turf and stool water for the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, that was crazy. Absolutely crazy. 
slip sliding away. Reminded me of a, a Paul Simon tune back in the day. Okay, break time right here. We'll get as many texts in as we can when we get back. OU women's basketball tonight. 6 o'clock, LNC, Texas Tech in town. The game on ESPN+. Mule Shoe lost a couple commitments. That's always good. We'll get into that and, again, more text next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, headed down the stretch here. We've got uh, Locked In coming up at 2 o'clock. Riverwind Casino always has the best promotions. The Love to Getaway promotion continues. They gave away three grand prize wins to three patrons here recently with $10,000 travel vouchers from Ray's Travel. And now through uh, February 25th, play with your wild card, earn extra entries, including five-time entries uh, tomorrow night. February 16th, or all day February 16th, the 19th and the 23rd. Then they'll have a big drawing for the Love to Getaway promotion, 75K Love to Getaway promotion. And uh, they'll have a drawing on February 25th, just before midnight. Five grand prize winners are going to be chosen to win $5,000 cash each. They also have Beats and Bites, the Outdoor Music Festival, Coming back May 27th, we'll open it up with 38 Special and Blue Oyster Colt. I like that show as an opener. That's a good one. Outdoors, Coupe Ale Works, great craft beers, food trucks everywhere, kid-friendly environment, games for the kids. Uh, they've all got all kinds of stuff out there that you'll enjoy. Bring your folding chairs, your appetite, and get ready for some good music. May 27th, first Beats and Bites show, 38 Special and Blue Oyster Colt, June 10th. Jen Blossom's Tonic and Soul Asylum. Then on July 8th, Mark Chestnut, Shannon Doa, and Tracy Bird. August 26th, Gary Allen on the Beats and Bites stage. It's going to be a good time outdoors. Great music, great food, all kinds of activities. Riverwind Casino, that's why they're simply the best. So, all right, 405-651-3439. Let's get back to as many texts as we can. Zane says, I'm hopeful you all eventually acknowledge Doug being on the KREF payroll. Smart, by the way. Good engagement. You're saying Doug's a plant? Is that it? Doug is not a plant. Doug is not a plant. He's not a plant. He's the real Doug. In fact, Doug makes pasta for us on occasion. He did. It's nice. We have. How would you describe our collective relationship with Doug? I think Doug is a guy who likes to question things, you know. Uh, I think we've uh, patched up our uh, relationship, and he's just he's one of those guys that questions things. He doesn't he thinks that everything or a lot of stuff is propaganda. He wants to question some things and you need those people in your society. Just not a whole bunch of them. Let me give you let me give you an analogy. Doug is like your very politically opinionated aunt or uncle on Facebook, right? You see him at Thanksgiving, you chat him up, you have a good time, you laugh together, but... Not if you're talking politics, though. But on social media or in any virtual setting, not somebody that you want to interact with. Is Doug Newman from Seinfeld? No, I think think Newman was kind of crazy. When is Beats and Bites going to give Steely the stage for karaoke night, (laughs) says this listener. I'm going to sing my version of Moon River, yes, by Andy Williams. The Andy Williams version, so maybe. Doug likes his steak well done. 
Camo Sooner says, the word you're looking for with Doug is skeptic. Yes, he is a skeptic, uh, you know, and look, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It makes for some funny lines, you know, coming in on the text line too. But, I, you know, the whole part of that equation is that, you know, Phil Pachotti is playing with some of the very best athletes in the country on that team. A plethora of them. Yeah, and you might as well, somebody mentioned this on the text line as well, you might as well go flip on his junior tape if you want to see how good he is in comparison to the average high school player in the United States of America. And the thing is, he wanted to go to IMG to get better, right? He did. So, And I would imagine he got better. And you know he loves the Sooner family, by the way. There is no doubt that Phil Pichotti loves the Sooner family. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. There you go. Why couldn't it be? I mean, Chotty's a great name, but Phil Corleone. Can he change it legally here in the state, Phil Corleone? I'm sure he can. Let's see if he... Or Vito uh, Pachotti. Vito Pachotti. Uh, Chapstick says, skeptic, cynic, or conspiracy theorist? Doug's margins are razor thin. The conspiracy theorists are everywhere. By the way, the UFOs are coming for us, there's no doubt. And Chinese balloons, we know that already. But I think eventually um, somebody's going to get an anal probe before we know it. And it's going to be on Twitter, and it's going to be real. And it's not going to be cool. We have gone from discussing the color lavender to discussing anal probes. Well, on this that's show today. what the Martian special at. Well, they may be, they're going to be from another galaxy. And they're going to come here and start probing people, and it's not going to be fun. Not at all. I'm ready to get this Arkansas rivalry going, says one listener. Let's start some beef, or should I say pork? Doug orders food in the Sonic drive-thru. That is a major fast food felony. Wow! Don't you ever order food in the in the Sonic drive-thru? Do you follow that Twitter account called Rare Insults? I do not. Should I? It's just it's a bunch of screenshots of very clever, like off the beaten path insults on the internet. Okay, I gotta follow that. Oh, it's hilarious. We could spend an entire show. We won't. But we could spend an entire show just reading rare insults from that Twitter account. Rare that's that's one insults. that like I read Doug orders food in the Sonic drive thru and I thought that belongs on rare insults. It's pretty good. You know, and that's where you go get your, you know, cherry diet coke, Route 44 or whatever. You're not ordering food in the Sonic drive-thru. That should be against. That's a, You should be pulled over in the drive-thru, taken out of your vehicle, and taken to fast food court immediately and booked on felony charges. Do you patronize Sonic often? I, you say this like you're... I mean, no, I like Sonic. Yeah, I like Sonic. Yeah, absolutely. I don't go there as much as I used to, but I... Yes, I, I like Sonic. Who doesn't like Sonic. Trying to think the last time I went to a Sonic. It's been a minute. It's been a good long while. But I never, ever, ladies and gentlemen, ordered food in the Sonic drive-thru. 
ordering food in general at Sonic is a pretty sketchy proposition. The corn dogs hit. I'll give them some credit with the corn dogs. Tater tots with cheese, chili dogs. Everything else I am skeptical of. You, sir, wear lavender ties. You have no room to speak, (laughs) according to the people of Oklahoma. All right. Stay with us. We've got Locked In coming up next. Everybody have a great rest of your day. We'll see you.